You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Purity groups, skateboarding, youth ministry, it's all here in this interview, this episode with Jason Drama, reachingyouth.org. We hope you enjoy today's episode. If it gives you value, please share it with someone. Just click the share button and text it to somebody and say, thought you should listen. Thanks for listening. You can mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Steven, and I'm here with a special guest, Jason Duramo, coming from North Carolina. Hey, guys. What's going on? Jason, where in North Carolina are you? So I'm, I'm actually in Sanford, North Carolina, which is about, about 30, 45 minutes outside of Raleigh-Durham area. So. so the only thing I've done in North Carolina is longboard. And I, I mentioned this to you on our call, but when I was in college, I was friends with a bunch of barefooted longboarders. And some of them moved to North Carolina, and there's some hills to bomb in North Carolina. Mm. So yeah, I, I don't know how you ended up in North Carolina. Have you always been there? Military, military brought me here. Your dad, or you, or your mom? No, I, I personally, I joined the army at uh, 19. Pretty much have been in the South the entire time. It's crazy. Uh, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. And uh, it was the people, the people in the community really just kind of kept me here. It's very different from Southern California where I, where I grew up, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a little slower, you know, it's a little slower, but it's just, it's kind of like Bible belt, you know, it's that it got me, you know, of course I have a truck now, you know, like I got, I got a gun. So got all the, all, all the right things. Gun. Yeah. Just need a dog. Got a cat. Well, Jeez. and uh, maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but Jason, sure. he leads an organization called Reaching Youth. Their website mm-hmm. is reachingyouth.org. If you want to check that mm-hmm. out, we'll put it in our show notes. But his mm-hmm. desire has been to serve youth of his city and respond to the cultural crisis that's happening. So obviously, fatherlessness is a huge issue going on in our country, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that's an issue that that Jason's been passionate about addressing. And one of the things that he's run into is a skateboarding community. And so I want to talk more about the community that you've kind of been building with students, but more, I just want you to share the reaching youth story. You already mentioned military background. So we'd love to just hear more about your personal story and lead us into when you launched. So yeah, reachingyouth.org is actually, I wasn't the original founder of that idea or that ministry, that website, at least. It was actually previously, and in, in, it was a, a youth ministry that was out of Texas. When I had the idea of the ministry, when I knew it was it was a burden to, to go after young men uh, or young people, I was still kind of defining it. But I wanted to have, obviously, a website. I wanted to have a way that people could connect with content. It wasn't really huge on social media. I started putting out a little bit of content on YouTube. and But I realized that, like, you know, the, the name was available. And so I... I was like, okay, cool. I wanted to, you know, build the ministry around, you know, that that theme of, of engaging with young people. But really, it really started with a connection I had with a young man in one of my church groups. It was a men's purity group. 
And it was kind of a place where, you know, you get different guys of different backgrounds. It's most, you know, half and half, mostly military guys. And there's a whole litany of issues there, but, you know, some locals too. And this young man, it's probably like 16 at the time, 15 or 16, but he had, he, he knew the gospel. You know, he, he definitely was saved but he was struggling with the flesh because of family brokenness because of, and this was, this isn't the church. So this is not, you know, someone that, you know, they may have, you know, came in through a, you know, a relative or just, you know, a friend or someone that his grandpa was in the group, but he was very much involved in the youth programs at the church. And so it's interesting how we, we think sometimes in the faith that, you know, the kids, oh, well, they're, they're so young. What can they be exposed to? Or, you know, oh, but it's just, they go online, they see these things, but, you know, they're probably not doing, no, no, a lot of them are actually really struggling with these things. And it's, it's almost, uh, you can't just assume that because the outside looks good, the socials look good, parents and family look good, uh, because I see some of the dads in the group and some of the issues they have with the flesh and fidelity, you know, marriage struggles, things like that. And so it was almost like an opportunity to hopefully intercede in a young person's life because I was kind of that same young person, but I didn't stay in the church. I just lived my life recklessly. And of course I joined the military because I didn't, I didn't really have anything else going on. And that wasn't an easy decision, by the way. Like I went straight to war and it was a whole, whole emotional roller coaster and, you know, addictions and all kinds of stuff in between. But being able to invest in a young person's life. And, and it's unheard of for someone. It, it's really rare for young people like that to want to get free of some of these addictions and strongholds with all the issues going on. I talk a, lo- a little bit about it. I've done newsletters on this very, very direct, you know, kind of not super explicit, but kind of like PG 13, where it's like, Hey, like pornography, masturbation, you know, sex addiction, you know, all these things that young people are exposed to, particularly young men, addictions, just all the different worldly aspects of, of life. And, and so I think being able to work specifically with a few guys, few young people, and, and, and get right to the heart of the issue and organically relationship formed from that. And we got to kind of do mission, I would say missionary work, but evangelism. And, I, and the key is, I always wanted to make sure it was youth-led. I wanted to make sure that if I step into their world, that I'm not trying to shortcut or step in front of where God's using them and leading them. I think that's one of the other things I've learned about, particularly the, the mentoring process, is that they kind of get to, to get in the driver's seat. And, and we just, I think we just kind of steer them occasionally and oftentimes kind of pump the brakes. But mostly, you know, once they get in the vehicle, they kind of drive you. And that's where you get to kind of see what's going on in their world and some of the issues they struggle uh, they, they struggle with and how they overcome it. So, yeah. That's how I got sucked into skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't think most people think of mentoring that way, of putting the mentee in the driver's seat. Most people will probably envision, I'm the one driving this thing. Get in the car. I still have a wheel on my side, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and But, I, I mean, I think that, that that speaks volumes to, I mean, developing trust with a kid and allowing them mm-hmm. to have agency. And, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love... I love that. Now, walk me through, I mean, I I haven't, I literally haven't heard of a 16-year-old going to a purity group before. That that sounds peculiar to me. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's a special so what, place. 
what's the story there? I mean, obviously, is he being like forced by his parents to go to this or it's no. his own volition? It's uh here's here's the best way I can put it. One, I don't think this is just a case by case basis. I think that a lot of churches don't have a space like this because either it's it hasn't become a big enough problem or it's just they don't know how to handle it. I, I believe nowadays it's it's at least okay in most churches to mention these things. I know a lot of big, uh, a lot of the larger mega churches now have done series on them. Pastors even said, Hey, I've struggled with this. They're not afraid to admit it, but the church, the church community we were a part of was a very large church community. And I no longer, I no longer attend it. But at the time I, I definitely think when you create an environment, especially when it's in a military community near Fort Bragg, it, it definitely it becomes attractive, I guess, to certain, well, I'll say that this way, because there's a space that is available and because other men are also in that space, whether 16, mostly like 16 to 60 in that range, it, it doesn't, it's not as shameful to go there. And I think they'd handle it pretty well because they don't cover it up. And so for a young man to go there, I think obviously his grandpa was was an encourager in that respect because his grandpa also attends the group. I think also the unique call that God's put on this young man because not every young person is capable of doing raw evangelism. And I noticed that pretty quickly. He had a pretty, he had a firm, he had a pretty good grasp on the scripture, the whole counsel of God, as we would say. Like he he knew enough. And I was already a couple of years in the seminary and I'm like, definitely stood apart and of course i'm like i mean i'm looking for young guys i'm looking for people of faith because i got kind of i got a little tired of just the guys in the group that were just okay just showing up and you know listening or, or giving a little bit about their life and not really wanting to to take it out and in, 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 in into practice and so that was kind of a a struggle I was having, not having like an apprentice or not having, you know, other people interested like a Paul Timothy. So yeah, I, you know, long story short, I, I was, I reached out to his grandpa and I was like, Hey, you know, can I, you know, you know, take him out to coffee or whatever. And of course I'm thinking like, man, I have to get, I have to go through all these different channels and talk to parents. They were like happy. They were like super excited for me, but it's a, it's a balancing act. I mean, there's, there's a point they have to trust you. They, you know, a lot of people know is that, you know, this young man had been violated before by other people. And so there's, there's, there's so many different dimensions to where you, you have to be cognizant of what you're saying. If you are in the same vehicle together, there's certain things like I reached out to his parents. I'm going to, Hey, I'm going to pick them up and just being careful about those things, you know, especially minor. So doing this in a ad hoc way at the point, at the time when we met reaching youth, wasn't really a thing yet it was kind of in development mode but that was still within the church so it was it was cool externally it gets a little bit more tricky and i'm involved in mentoring organizations where you have to get you, you can't do that you have to get cleared you have to have you know a guardian present it's it's a big deal so anyway so let's say i was looking for faith i find it in this young man and he was he had gone to skate parks because he was a skater and he liked producing music. So it took about a year, year and a half for that trust to really be there. He blew me off a bunch of times. He'd call, hang up, you know, just, just and he would, he told me later is that he was struggling with the flesh. He was struggling with, you know, you know, relationships, you know, premarital sex, you know, things like things that there was shame 
but he he knew that what he was doing is grieving the Holy Spirit. And so a year into it later, I was I was sat with his parents and I was able to actually, this is like a small miracle. I was able to actually convince them, he was like seven, 16 or 17. I was able to convince them to let me take him to a men's conference in Virginia and Lynchburg where Liberty is. And I, it was just such, it was like right in the beginning of COVID. Tim Tebow, Mark Luttrell from Lone, the Navy SEAL from Lone Survivor, all these different leaders there. We got, I'd give them the whole tell information we were at. And then we went to a skate park out there. And that's when I realized like, wait a second, like there's so much more to this young man's life. And that was an unforgettable experience, 100%. Like 5,000 men praying together. He got to be a part of it. And uh, actually he came right up to Tim Tebow. And he had, a, he had a baseball signed by him. It's pretty cool. So what I did is I, I took, I had some other men from the group sign their names on this ball. And I even had him sign it. And then let me see. Yeah, Tim Tebow's got his name right there. He used to play baseball. He used to play professional baseball for a little bit. That was like a dream of his. I was a really good football player too. And then I actually signed my name. And then I was going to get, I told him I'd give this back to him when he completes his first semester of college. Wow. Which at the time was, is just, it, it from where he was at, I, it, it, that was a, sh- a short miracle, but like he's, I think he's now finally come around. He's trying to finish his, his high school diploma. And I, I have no doubt he's going to, he's going to blow everybody away. So he'll get this back one day, but yeah, you know, that's kind of it. And fast man. forward. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool thing. But you know, it's, you only get, I feel like you only get one or two of those. Like I've had other guys a mentor and it's hard just to even get them on the phone call, you know, or text, you know, so it's different levels. And you, you said that he was kind of bailing on you or not returning phone calls for a little bit. But it's like, I uh, mean, your pursuit like was everything to continue, like not give up on this kid that you saw potential in, which I mean, oh, I, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. There's times I wanted to write him off. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. If you guys are up for your mentors out there, man, keep, keep, keep staying in the fight, staying in the fight. It's they're worth it. <laughs> no, I mean, we had a mentor in our program who, he, his kid was in sixth grade and I, I mean, we would meet twice uh, every other month and go grab coffee or lunch. And this mentor would share mm. with me, this kid has shared three words with me since I last saw you. Good. Mm. Yes. No. And, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, this mentor was so frustrated, not only with this kid, but also with me because he was like, mm. aren't you supposed to be helping me? Like, figure this out. And I was like, there's nothing I, I can do or, or it felt that way at least. And then all of a sudden this kid's in seventh grade. He's the most talkative kid you've ever seen. And he's engaged. He's talking back to this mentor, asking questions. And it's Mm -hmm. like, if this mentor would have just given up and said, throw Mm -hmm. in the towel, like maybe he Mm -hmm. wouldn't have gotten to the season that he's in right now. Mm -hmm. I love how your relationship with this kid was kind of birthed Mm -hmm. in the church because I, mm. I imagine most mentors listening right now, they, they might not have even thought that that was an option, that, that they could mentor a, a kid at, at their church that needed mentoring. And there's a lot of organizations that are wanting to see the church not just focus on discipleship, but mentorship of, of pulling kids in. And uh, I mean, I guess my view of discipleship would be the I'm in the driver's seat. I'm teaching you everything that you need to know. And mentorship is kind of what you're saying is letting them drive and giving them feedback and sharing experiences and asking mm-hmm. follow-up questions and and not necessarily going through this foundational, this is what you do and yada, yada, yada. Would that yeah. be a fair assessment? Yeah. Uh, so I was, uh, I, 
I get distracted sometimes with the computer, Rob. I was trying to find this this podcast that I think really drives home kind of what that process looked like. And yeah, I agree. Like not every not every person you're mentoring is going to allow that relationship to go kind of like the next level. Sometimes you're doing a lot of sewing or a lot of, you know, you're trying to break apart the rocky ground. There's this campus ministry and I'll, I'll send you a link so you can put it in the show notes. People are interested. It is a talk that this uh, campus, it's like a Christian fraternity. It's called Chi Alpha. I think a lot of bigger colleges have a, a Chi chapter. Alpha. Chi Alpha, Chi Alpha. I say it's Chi Alpha. Yeah, Chi uh, Alpha, Chi yeah they just drink tea. That's all they do. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so Chi Alpha, they, I used to listen to their leadership podcast. And they had an episode, I think it's, this is a blog, but I think it's on the video. It's, they call, it's like find, fight, and feed. So the idea is that you're looking for particular people that are like, you know, faithful, available, teachable. You're, you, you fight for those. You're that, looking for fat people. That's what you just said. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Fat people. Uh, but you, you, you fight for those. So you find them. When you find them, you fight for them. And then you continue to feed into them. And so I think just to use, you know, this young man as an example, I think that when I saw him, where he was at, I related to him because of I was in that same place, but I realized that he had what I didn't have when he was young. He actually had the Holy Spirit. And when somebody has it, even if they're coming from a position of brokenness, even if they're knee deep in their sin, when they have it, you can, you can work with that. And I think the frustration I've had even more in the secular space doing mentoring, because there's, there's a way we do it in, in the faith. And I think this is what you were kind of getting at is that when it's within the context of our faith, when you're mentoring biblically, when you're when you're doing biblical discipleship, using mentoring as the vehicle for that connection, whether it's even like in counseling, I've I've realized I've grown in 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 understanding of the word to where even when you're trying to give counsel, it has to be within the context of the faith. If that person's regenerate, they're going to be able to understand when you are combating some of the lies or some of the struggles they're having with scripture. Whereas to people that aren't familiar with not only God personally, or if you're communicating biblical truth to an unregenerate person, you're, you're giving them good wisdom, but they don't know how to personalize it because they don't have that intimate relationship. So they might say, Hey, yeah, I get it. You know, you know, birds of the feather flock together, right? You know, like a bad company, bad, bad company corrupts good, good morals, or, you know, you know, I'm trying to think of more proverbs here, but essentially what, what I realized is that doing doing this mentoring with Christ at the center of it doesn't necessarily mean that certain things are going to work out the way that you think they are like getting them into college or trying to help them with career decisions isn't the chief end whereas in the secular world some of the college mentoring programs I've been involved with or the military youth that kind of is the motivation yeah you're still trying to give them some self-esteem and some growth and maturity and, and there's I work with a young man he's he's a Christian but it, it's within the secular context of the program there's certain conversation points I can't have with them but also because we don't really we're not in the same church community we don't have the same kind of doctrine and theology, which you don't think matters, but it kind of does come up when you're talking about just issues with whatever they're struggling with. And so I would say is for, if you're mentoring someone 
and you you don't already have kind of that that basic understanding of of the gospel and that's not already understood with your like try to find creative ways to sow in that truth whether it is and tie it with something practical like hey we, we would go out trying to think like we used to go get food a lot that's just an easy win you know before we even did skateboarding we, you know we'd go out and get something to eat and then all, along the way when i picked them up we would talk if we, if we went to the group i would have i would get them, i would either try to take them home or someone else would give them a ride but there's certain moments where you can ingrain some kingdom truth you know jesus did this with the disciples he'd walk with them and give them some a parable or something and i think that that's really how we feed those people how we how we continue to build the mentoring process so but yeah, there's there's a lot more to it. And to be honest, there's a lot of touch and go. For months, there'd be times where I'd, we didn't even talk. And sometimes I'd see him grow by leaps and bounds. Like, wow, he's able to hold down a job. Like, that's incredible. Like, I would check in. That's the other big part. You got to check in. Like, just because you're they're not talking doesn't mean that you still can't maintain a connection. Talk, reach out to their family. If you see them in small groups, other people, you know, have been in touch recently, you know, check out their socials. I mean, geez, like, just because you're not talking on the phone or texting doesn't mean they're still not there's a presence of them out there. Like they might be hurting and you could pray for them or whenever you do catch up. Hey man, yeah, how was that? You know, that, that thing that you, you know, I saw he used to do like rap, rap video, hip hop videos and things. And uh, I'd be like, Hey man, yeah, I saw that video just dropped. That's pretty cool dude. Like, you know, how you been since then? Oh man, I've been really struggling. Hey, let's talk about that. You know? So yeah, there's, there's, there's that too. Yeah. Well, I, some things that I'm picking up from what you're sharing, you mentioned just kind of, at the start, you guys had a shared experience of uh, either a struggle or an addiction or mm-hmm. just a, a past experience that kind of bonds you together. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we're we're common when it sure. comes to this, not like the hip hop yeah. artist, but there's yeah. a commonality between you. And then there's a common direction like that, mm-hmm. that you're wanting to go, strive toward. And then there's also a common belief system that mm-hmm. you're seeing that like, okay, maybe our worldviews aren't entirely the same, but mm. like we're, mm. we're working to believe the same thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, that, that unity across the board past where you're going and what, what you believe, like the foundational things, like all mm-hmm. of those are important. They're not entirely necessary. Like you don't have to have sure. all of those, but it is, it's very helpful to have those mm-hmm. as you're building relationships or at least be working toward them. Sure. Um, sure. Let, let's get into, I mean, just, just kind of you, you working on seeing skateboarding as something that he enjoys. <laughs> like, are you a skateboarder? Like, did you have, um, so, here's what's, here's what's cool. And this is where, this is where you think that you're making an impact in their life and where they, the table kind of gets turned. So, like I grew up in Southern California and even when I was in a long border or or something. (laughs) Well, you know, here's the thing is like, so, and I've learned so much about the skateboarding culture and the industry since I've been starting this project, you know, cause I'm an adult. So now I'll actually do the research before I'll get into things. Like I haven't fallen, you know, super crazy yet. I've been, I've been pretty consistent. I'm able to ride the board and, you know, stay on it, but literally, I mean, we had skateboarding was huge. It's still huge. When I was young, like, yeah, Tony Hawk and all these video games and everything, they were just kind of hitting, hitting their, you know, hitting their peak and getting out there. And, but the cost with skateboard still is the same. You know, the, the, the level of interest is greater now because, you know, more, more, it's more mainstream. I realized it's an escape. And so if they're, 
what is it that they're escaping from? And so that's what kind of led me down. Okay. And the other thing too, it's just timing and season. Like it's COVID. It's hard to do evangelism. It's hard to even do stuff in the church that the church's, you know, doors are closed or they're going through the motions. And so what I realized is there's like a bunch of kids, young people outside and it's public space. And so you're, you're kind of like putting two and together. And so the first couple of times I would go out with him, I realized when he would just kind of skate by, do tricks, talk to some other young people. And then I was like, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't, it's hard to say, like, I didn't really process everything initially, but then I was like, I had this idea and I was like, Hey, Julian, like, what if we just do like a documentary? We just like kind of like interview people and spread the gospel. And and, the, and of course he was just like super jazzed. He's like, Oh man. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I, we need, yeah, we need more harvesters out. We need more people, laborers out there in the harvest. And so then it evolved. I got like this, this outdoor PA system would go there, play music. I would have, you know, him, I would, I would I put him in the driver's seat. Cause I realized if I'm out there, I'd kind of like MC it, but if I'm out there preaching to them, then it's another adult talking down to them, or it's another person, an outsider, whereas he is more familiar with the culture. People, people have seen him. Uh, and so he would actually go up there. He would just, it was interesting. <laughs> Whenever we tried to like plan it. And then when it actually came to us going there, it kind of completely changed it. Like sometimes I'd be like, Hey man, I have this idea. Like I was reading something in scripture. Maybe we should mention this. And he was like, nah, that's kind of lame. I'm like, all right, fine. Like, but then we'd get there and he's like, Hey man, like, let's do that thing that you talked about. And so, and then I would like, man, I like had like, I had some like, just like clothes that I, I think I bought, but I just never wore them. Like, you know, these kids probably, I don't know if these kids have money or not. So like I had, instead of just donating them, like I had some like nice shirts and things. I was like, Hey, you know, they were like, Hey, so we basically just gave stuff away. We're like, you know, like, but brand name stuff, you know, like some of the major brands and cause the kids, they, they know. They won't forget. So yeah, then then I I was just it wound up just being like a, a ministry. It's like okay, like let's go out there. And he would sometimes he'd go and he'd just say like the Ten Commandments, and like you you would hear skaters like they would listen. They may not stop and like you know like oh let me see what what these people are, talking. but you could tell that people it was starting to get in. We we would do like a trick contest and then we would get you know and now of course. I've done like little small projects and videos and documentaries and things and interview stuff for college and, you know, you know, just fun stuff. But this was more, I really wanted to kind of get an inside look of the culture and really see what's going on. And, you know, as an observer, I realized, man, there's a lot of pain. There's, it's an escape, it's an outlet for them, but it's kind of a neutral ground. And so I guess maybe like the comparable, a comparable culture would be like surf culture. You know, it's kind of another culture. It's very similar. There's, there's almost like a, there's a, there's a place for ideas to travel. There's a place, but you can't get access like you would maybe in other venues. Like you really have to kind of show up. People have to kind of see you. They have to, they have to know that you're not a threat. And so, yeah, I think coming in there, being intentional and being forward with them, it not being just me communicating, like it was kind of my, one of my mentees getting out there and he was the one driving. And so, and I was always cognizant, like, Hey, I can get out there and really kind of uh, honcho and take the lead on this thing. But the more acts, the more agency, the more I empowered, his name's Julian. He's, he's 18 now. So he's, he's okay. He's on the website too. So you can, you can see his info in there. But the point is, is the more I can empower Julian to, to be encouraged to go out there and, because he's the he's the next he's the next generation. 
And this is, I think, what we miss all the time, whether we're, you know, youth leaders or, you know, parents, or whatever. It's like the more you encourage them to get out in front and then just knowing you're kind of there, the better off they're going to be, whether they want to go on missions, whether they're, you know, want to go on campus ministry, whether they're just going to go into the workplace or in school, especially higher education, they're going to be able to stand on their own feet. Whereas if you're constantly just kind of like keeping them on a short leash and you're always, you know, kind of making sure and like, correct, like we do a little, we call it in the army, a little after action review. Every time we'd go out, we'd talk about what happened, you know, what, how can we improve things? But he would text me sometimes or call him like, Hey, we should do this. And I'm like, okay, let's pray about it. Sometimes I'd be like, Hey man, we really need to do this. We need to get out there. And I want to film this. And he's like, dude, Whoa, like we need to stop down. We need to pray about this. And I'm like, all right, fine. Right. Right. And so I think that that kind of relationship, it really is forged as we, you know, it's forged through battle. It's, it's earned. And sometimes you have to kind of, you have to be cognizant. Like he's a young, he's a young person. So yeah, you know, there's times when I'm like, Hey, you're not going to talk to me that way. Like, you shouldn't talk to any adult that way, but you're not going to talk to me that way. And like, and he's like, all right, you're right. You're right. So I think there's a, there's a level of trust that, that you, you get to, it's almost, you earn the right to speak in their life and they give you access into their life. It, it's not that you by default get access to their life because what they could do is they could pretend like you're, you're speaking into their life and just give you the same canned responses or they can actually let you have access. And once you're in there, you gotta be very, very careful what you do because they could sometimes take what you say and run with it. And it's not, it's not always the best outcome. And you get you get to be responsible for that, good and bad. So a question on that is like sure. I I think particularly in ministry circles, it's I'll give you leadership opportunities if you prove to me you're faithful. Mm. And kind of what you're saying mm. is that as this kid gives me access to his life. I give mm. him leadership opportunities mm. and I don't take that access to sit <laughs> in leadership. I take it to lift him up and put him in situations sure. where, where he's sure. leading. And and that's, that's a great point. So that's that, uh, like I, I had to study, I had a kind of unique seminary experience. My first two years were, was a master's of Christian leadership. So it was a lot of organizational leadership and servant leadership and different theories and research. And so like, that'd be more like a transformational approach, right? So you're in a formal organization setting, or even in a ministry setting, you know, something that's structured, that is ideal. And, and that is something that is kind of almost, in, it's implicit too. like, hey, we're here intentionally building up next level leaders. And I, we talked about this before, I feel like with mentoring, because it wasn't under the guise of I wasn't a youth pastor, I wasn't his older sibling, I wasn't in a a formal mentoring capacity. And so in that, in that regard, I think that is very much what is expected. Hey, you want more responsibility. We see the potential. It's kind of just kind of observe and wait for opportunities and realize things could kind of change in between, but we definitely see it and we want to invest in that. However, are, I'd say in this particular case, it was kind of more to borrow from the NAVS ministry. It's kind of an alongsider approach. There wasn't really a, I don't, I didn't, I didn't grant him leadership opportunity because it's Christ's ministry. And so it was more like, it was more like partnership because I didn't really have a position for him. I mean, yeah, I was kind of building up, you know, the, the reaching youth ministry 
And of course there was opportunity for him to get spotlight and to, to get his message out there. But I never actually approached him under the pretense that he would be a part in the organization. And here's the thing. I did that for others. And I realized that for them, they didn't stick around. Even though up front, they were like, hey, actually, I really believe in what you're doing. I think in those cases, it was was more like, I think they really wanted something to find where there's money and they get a salary. And it's like, well, like, but I wanted you just to do a few little tasks. But for Julian, I think it was more, it was never about him getting, folding him up into the the ministry and, and, and getting him you know, experiences. It wasn't transactional. It was more like, Hey, if, if, if defining the win, define the win, the win was, he didn't slip back into unhealthy relationship. He followed up with it. Like the win, I think for him was just watching him grow up into a mature man of God and celebrating with him. And I think that we, we miss that sometimes, whether in the, in the process of trying to get him there, we focus too much on, well, we need to get you a certain point or I, I can't invest in that. So I'll just say this to say, Julian may be a little bit special in the sense that my whole intent was not, it was not really to get him to do something more just for him to learn how to actually live in a biblically responsible way. Oh, and by the way, like along the way, I did try to get him to do a few things, but it, it didn't, it doesn't ultimately work out the way that you think. So there's that, but yeah. <laughs> that's great. You man. can try. Yeah. I, I was having a conversation with a guy today, and I, I think this relates. I mean, you were talking about pornography, masturbation, purity, and all this stuff, which this, I mean, obviously, it's a man's struggle. It's a woman's struggle as well. Mm. But mm. The, the common thread is that we don't talk about it. And mm. another common thread is that, in a way, it, become, it becomes something that's like a disqualifier of mm. like, if I struggle mm. with this, that means that I can't do this or mm. I, I I had a meeting today with a guy. He said, if I struggle with this, does that mean I can't date girls? Um <laughs> and and I mean yeah. he, he was genuinely honest about all this stuff. And and now I, I'll say that if you're a mentor listening to this podcast, I would highly encourage you to talk about this stuff sure. because more often than not, no one's talking to the mm. kid you're mentoring about this. Mm. And so maybe, yeah. maybe you need to broach that conversation. Yeah. But yeah, well, at the same time, and, mm. and here's, here's my thought is that the, the impact, like what, what you're saying is that Julian mm. wanted to share the gospel in, mm-hmm. yeah. in your mind, you weren't like, well, I mean, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, <laughs> like that wasn't well, your, that wasn't yeah, I, de- I, I definitely think well here, here's what i'll say there's there's so much we can unpack this in a whole different conversation but i'll just say where i met julian was in that group so if you have met if you're mentoring young young kids out there whether you know obviously you know you know men mentor men women mentor women you know just yeah but that's a separate that's a that's a conversation that's a level of access that you shouldn't expect to get you may never get i mean i don't even always get that with other men in ministry and in fellowship that i'm with um, or if it is it's very surface level uh that's a level of intimacy that you know you have to earn and it and it could be it could be that there's a struggle there but you may not be the the best person well you should be <laughs> You, ideally, but you may not be in their world, the, the person that they want to open up to. I will say this though, 
and this is something I've learned. We need to get, just not even as mentors, as followers of Jesus, we need to get over the fact that we can't have uncomfortable conversations. It's the fact that we are still like hiding some of these things. I mean, the secular world is talking about this for crying out loud. You have people out there with ministries on the NoFap and all this other stuff that are not even saved. And we, we are just now creating a place for this in the church where it's like actually raw and it's addressing this. It's a great sermon. Uh, pastor of my last church did on, on all the stats and everything. I, I saw more turnout there than an Easter service for the church. So it, it's a problem in the church, but I will say this though, whatever context that I think you develop the mentoring relationship from. So whether it's, you know, a, a youth group, whether it's a neighbor, you know, someone, a family friend, a young sibling, whatever it is, I think sticking with what brought you guys together. So and that may not be what keep you, you know, organic things can flow from just relationship and conversation. But I think the unique struggle that that brought Julie and I together, and really, which led to reaching youth and a lot of the, the, the missional aspects of what God put on my heart, you know, because there wasn't there wasn't like a defined ministry, as I was starting to leave seminary, and you know, things didn't work out the way I thought they would. But this kind of this kind of happened. And that's also a I think a check on me, a reminder on me that you don't know what God's really actually doing through the mentor as well. So you think that, well, you know, in this season of life, I'm doing this with Julian. I think it was um, a single man. I don't have a family. I don't have a wife. I don't have, there's certain things that I probably wouldn't have gone to the level and the, the depth of building that, that kind of relationship. And even though you don't have to be single, you don't have to have the time because I had so much stuff going on. So much. And they're in, of course, they're young, they're in school, they're trying to figure out their life too. What I think it was, is it was the, the fact that I think he really had the gospel and the fact that he was really trying to get free from those, those, those addictions. And the fact that where I was at the timing in the season, the level of intensity of that mentoring relationship and the fruit that bore from that probably was just something it was one it was god inspired it was god led but i don't think i could have had that with any other person i was mentoring and i don't and i think it's okay because maybe down the road i might only be able to just meet someone for coffee once a week and you know what that's still important but what i got to have in this season i think radically transformed his life mine opened up totally new possibilities and yeah now i'm you know i know how to ride a skateboard now I never was able to do that before. I never took risks like that because uh, I, I wouldn't even take the risk of uh, just, just even just be like, Hey, uh, you know, can I, can I take your son out of town for the weekend to this men's conference, you know, while COVID's about to hit its heyday. And, and yet that, so I think there's a, there's a, there's a point where we kind of have to stop letting those, those, those things hold us back from being able to invest in the next generation. So whatever, I've seen walls come down. I didn't think we were going to be able to get access to these young kids at the skate park, but we were going to boo us off. We did have some of that, by the way, but we we got in there and we didn't let the church, we didn't let these people kind of tell us what you can and can't do. Not to be rebellious, but it's just, I, I think I kind of got tired of people not actually taking steps. And I, and I had to do this a lot on my own. I had to fund it on my own. I had to do a lot of things. I didn't get the support I thought I would get from people. 
But in the, in the long run, I think in the grand scheme of things, it is better when you can do it in community and have some support there. So, you know, that was my last piece of advice. But I do gotta, I do gotta run in a few minutes. So, any, any, any last minute questions you got? Yeah. Final ten percent yeah, on the phone. A, yeah, this is really good. Thank you for um, speaking. Yeah. Let me just hit on the last question. Yeah, man. Um, so I, I love the emphasis of mentoring in the context that the youth is comfortable with. Yeah. You. I mean, that's just attractive to me, like to mm. be at the skate park and mm -hmm. that's, that's the context for your mentoring. So if you, you could just unpack what, why <laughs> you've seen that to be helpful, like where yeah. they are, where yep. they live and, and where they already feel like they belong, that's the place to do it. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, I never really put like two and two together about the whole skating thing. I knew he skated. I knew he did hip hop. I knew he did a bunch of stuff. Like it was almost like, I don't know. I think really kind of God downloaded that into my brain. Cause I mean, at the time I was just like, you know, what if, like, what if we could, I, I still think we can do a second wave. I, I want like, I, I'm telling you big picture stuff. I want to go like global and go to all these state parks around the world with Julian or even in the States and just like do like a more professional level documentary because it's ripe they're outside it's a public space you have access if you if you have some kind of credibility if you come off like you're just not there because they might think you're a cop you know it's like I, we've had that a few times or it's like you know you hear them like whistle and you know they're kind of doing their little things it's because you're you sharing know. the 10 commandments that's why they think you're a cop <laughs> i don't know but it's like it, it, cops can't skate so i'm learning how to skate that's that you know but it's the thing is is I didn't, I, a lot of it is just not putting limits on what God can do through, you know, your experience. I mean, if you if, don't doubt what those ideas, because I'm telling you, when I didn't let the external circumstances prevent Julian and I from stepping into an uncomfortable situation, and we both knew it was at stake, that's when I think God shows up in pretty amazing ways. And to date, the last three or four months we've gone out there, we're probably going to uh, do some more stuff in the future uh, whenever he gets back in town. But we had never been told that we can't share. We, we had several young people come up and want to know more. And I think the whole point of it is it was missional. It was evangelical. It was meant to really drop seeds and to get people even just a basic, a basic reality check on like, Hey, it's not just about what's in front of you. There's so much more in life that's going on. And uh, I think it was just, it was an incredible experience. I, I hope that we get to do it again or do something that's even just, you know, that's just bigger, but just something that's way more impactful, you know? So yeah, definitely. If you want to follow the journey, we got a, we have a trailer up there. The movie's going to drop sometime in summer um i'm already kind of doing some last minute tweaks i had some feedback initially but yeah you know that i hope just the video alone hits the right ears where people realize hey like there's the gospels moving and it's moving to another generation in ways that you know maybe maybe we're dormant or maybe kind of overlooked and it was just an opportunity because of the climate that we're in you know we're not the first 
missionaries that go out to skate parks. There's tons of organizations out there that have tried to be in the space, youth ministries that have tried to be in the space. But I think that what we got to do in our little space in this time is, is really what is what made the difference. Jason, yeah. really appreciate you, man. That was awesome. So thanks for Problem. sharing. And I appreciate what you guys are doing, dude. It's incredible. I, I love, I love what you know, what you guys have been able to do. I continue to do the Lord's work, man. I, I believe in the. I say this all the time for our ministry. Like you know, it's there is power behind biblical mentorship. Like mentorship is a real discipleship system. It's 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 viable. I'm confident that divinity school seminaries will have some field or venue. I know like church leaders are already starting to build programs for mentorship. They're talking about it. So it, it connects, it connects. It's, it's not something that people are just like, oh, I don't want to be discipled or I don't want you to, to evangelize me. Like mentorship, it's just, it's cool. It's cool and it works and there, there's powerful impact behind it. So continue to, to fight the good fight of faith. So amen. All right, guys. Appreciate you, brother.